Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. This is Brad Constantine, and this discussion is going to be regarding 2 Nephi chapter 18 and also Isaiah chapter 8. So before we get into the scriptures, I want to just read another paragraph here from Understanding Isaiah. It says, Isaiah presents three images of Jesus Christ that have special meaning for us today, water, temple, and light. First, Jesus is as essential to our spiritual salvation as water is to our physical salvation. That is to say, without water we will die physically, and without Christ we will die spiritually. Second, we will find peace and comfort in Jesus Christ if we permit him to be our temple, the focus of our worship, our cornerstone, the chief part of the building, and our sure foundation where we can find sure footing. Third, as we walk through mortality, which is like passing in the shadow or in darkness, we receive great hope, comfort, and joy when we accept Jesus as our great light. So let's go ahead and get into the chapter 18 here. Verse 1, Moreover, the word of the Lord said unto me, Take thee a great roll, and write in it with a man's pen concerning Maher Shalahashbaz. In other words, that's, uh, that's Isaiah's son's name. And the name means to speed, to spoil, hasten, plunder. In other words, Israel is going to be destroyed quickly. Verse two, and I looked unto me, and I took unto me faith to, uh, I took unto me faithful witnesses to record Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Jeberechiah, and I went unto the prophetess, and this is very similar to, to the Virgin Mary, and she conceived and bare a son. Then said the Lord to me, Call his name Meher Shalahashbaz, and the, so this is a type of Christ. For behold, the child shall not have knowledge to cry, my father, father, and my mother. In other words, he's going to be about two or three years old, and so he won't be old enough yet to talk, is what this means. Before the riches of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria shall be taken away from the king of Assyria. So he's saying that before the child turns two or three, the invasion of Assyria will occur. Verse 5, the Lord spake unto me again, saying, and uh, let me just pause here with another comment. Isaiah is talking about two types of water. The soft rolling waters of Shiloh, located near the Temple Mount of Jerusalem, and the waters of the Euphrates, a great river that often floods out of control. The waters of Shiloh are controlled and inviting, whereas the Euphrates is dangerous and destructive. The waters of Shiloh bring life to those who drink them. The Euphrates brings death to those who are swept up in its flood. Isaiah's images of the two waters are symbolic. The former represents Jesus, the King of Heaven, who is likened to the waters of life. The latter is the king of Assyria, who leads his great destructive armies and cover the earth like a flood and destroy the inhabitants thereof. So as we're reading through this, notice the differences in the types of waters that are mentioned. Verse 6, For as much as this people refuseth the waters of Shaloah that go softly and rejoice in Rezin, or the king of Syria, and Ramalia's son, who is Pekah, king of Israel, now therefore, behold, the Lord bringeth up upon them the waters of the river, meaning the Euphrates, strong and many, even the king of Assyria, and all his glory, and he shall come up over all his channels, and go over all his banks. So the soldiers are going to overrun Israel like a, like a river over, overflowing its banks. 
and he shall pass through Judah. He shall overflow and go over. He shall reach even to the neck, and the stretching out of his wings shall fill the breadth of thy land, O Emmanuel. Associate yourselves, O ye people, and ye shall be broken in pieces, and give ear, all ye of far countries. Gird yourselves, and ye shall be broken in pieces. Gird yourselves, and ye shall be broken in pieces. Now notice that that was mentioned twice. Uh, according to the Dead Sea Scrolls, although the inhabitants of the world attempt to protect themselves uh, with temporal weapons, they will be destroyed or broken in pieces. The twice repeated phrase is probably the result of a scribal error. The, re the repetition is not found in the Isaiah scroll of the Dead Sea Scrolls. So that phrase, gird yourselves and ye shall be broken in pieces, is probably just an error of the scribes uh, when they were doing it to have said it twice. Verse 10, take counsel together and it shall come to naught. Speak the word and it shall not stand, for God is with us. For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Say ye not a confederacy to all of, to whom this people shall say, a confederacy, neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. In other words, don't be worried about the fact that uh, Israel is confederate with Syria. This isn't going isn't gonna to work. Verse 13, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself. The literal translation from the Hebrew text reads, make him a temple, the Lord of hosts, meaning let the Lord be your temple, your place of holiness. That's from understanding Isaiah. And let him be your fear and let him be your dread. And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Because Israel would reject the Messiah, they shall have trouble. Neil Maxwell said, a stumbling block is defined as involving something repugnant to one's prejudices. A stumbling block of the Jews of Jesus' day, for instance, was their expectations about what the Messiah would do, such as emancipating them politically. To them, Jesus was not an emancipator and his death was an unfulfilling stumbling block. This irony had been prophesied. The Greeks, on the other hand, regarded the whole idea of a resurrecting Messiah as foolishness. So that was their stumbling block. Verse 15, and many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. These actions fit into a divine sequence. The saints must first receive their endowments, then warn the, the world's inhabitants of God's coming judgments, which will be followed by the binding up of the testimony and the sealing of the law. Finally, the judgments of God will come. After the Lord's people have testified to and warned the nations, they will figuratively bind, tie up, or shut up their testimonies and affix a seal to the law of God. And that's from understanding Isaiah. 17, and I will wait upon the Lord, or be patient, that hideth his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. The literal translation reads, I will hope for him. President Kimball said, being human, we would expect from our lives physical pain and mental anguish and assure ourselves of conditional ease of continual ease and comfort, but if we were to close the doors upon sorrow and distress, we might be excluding our greatest friends and benefactors. Suffering can make saints of people as they learn patience, long-suffering, and self-mastery. The sufferings of our Savior were part of his education. Elder Maxwell said, since the Lord wants a people tried in all things, how specifically will, he, will we be tried? He tells us, I will try the faith and the patience of my people. Since faith in the timing of the Lord may be tried, let us learn to say, not only thy will be done, but patiently also thy timing be done. Verse 18, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me for are signs 
are for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth in Mount Zion. Isaiah and his family are for signs to Israel. Israel will be destroyed, but later will be restored. And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep, or whisper, and mutter, should not a people seek unto their God for the living to, be, to hear from the dead? Orson F. Whitney said, to those, in quiet, to those in quest of spiritual light, this word of counsel, seek it only in the Lord's appointed way. Follow the advice of the Apostle James and the example of Joseph the prophet. Never go upon the devil's ground. Keep away from all deceptive influence. One may believe in hypnotism without being a hypnotist, without surrendering one's will to the will of the person exercising that power, a very dangerous power when wielded by an unprincipled possessor. In like manner, one may believe spiritualism real without becoming a spiritualist, without attending seances, without consulting mediums, without putting trust in planchettes, Ouija boards, automatic pencils, false impersonations, or in any way encouraging the advances of designing spirits who thus gain an ascendancy over their victims, leading them into mazes of delusion and often into depths of despair. Go not after them, and if they come to you, put them to the test. Try the spirits. If they speak not according to revealed truth, if they conform not to divine standards, it is because there is no light in them. And that was from uh, a book entitled Com Commentaries on Isaiah in the Book of Mormon. Verse 20, to the law and to the testimony, and if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. The Spirit of the Lord has withdrawn from them. And they shall pass through it, hardly be bested and hungry. And it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God and look upward. And they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness, dimness of anguish, and shall be driven to darkness. And so these are. this is again about those in, in the northern kingdom of Israel that were going to be destroyed. And Isaiah is telling him about that, but that these things will be repeated in the last days prior to the second coming. Only it will be more global uh, than local for us. I bear testimony of the truth of these things, that the Book of Mormon is true, and that when we think about every word that's in the Book of Mormon is written for our day, we can see how even the words of Isaiah, written thousands of years ago, pertain to us, because they literally do. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.